So I emailed HCD, explicitly said that I was emailing them as a private citizen. And in that email, I used the words rich anti-housing white men to describe Mm -hmm. the people who put forward the referendum. That made some people very angry and they ended up formally requesting my removal from the planning commission and they voted to censure me. Hi, Kylie. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited. I am Alex Melendrez. I am the host of this particular Infill podcast. I'm the national chapter manager at YMB Action. We're going to talk about the saga of Kylie Clark's censorship as a planning commissioner. And it ties back to housing elements, but I'll let Kylie tee it up here. Or should I say Commissioner Clark, actually? (laughs) Definitely go by Kylie because... Yeah, a lot of this was making sure people knew I was not speaking as a commissioner. Right, right. So why don't you give us an introduction of what this whole saga entailed? What was the situation going on? Saga is a very good word for it. So I'm a planning commissioner in the town of Los Gatos, and I'm definitely one of the younger commissioners, maybe the youngest that the town's ever had. And I also am a housing activist. The big backstory of this is that there were some people in town who were upset about the housing numbers that we put in our general plan because we were going above the threshold that the state gave us. And a lot of that was because the general plan looks 20 years out while the housing element only looks eight years out. And so we added some more housing numbers, assuming that HCD would not tell us to build zero units in eight years. But This upset some people and they went and decided to try to get a referendum on the ballot to withdraw our land use element and our community design element. And so they wanted to remove the two elements of our general plan in order to get the numbers reduced and to change some of the things in there. And they ended up having a bunch of signature gatherers all around town, spreading a lot of misinformation. I heard them saying do you want 12,000 new units in town? If you don't, then you should sign this. And obviously it would be just absolutely impossible for Los Gatos to build 12,000 units, but you know, it scared people and it got them to sign the referendum. And there were signature gatherers being paid $10 per signature that they got in order to, to get these people to sign on. And they ended up getting enough signatures for the referendum And so that made it so that our two elements were paused. And I wanted to make sure that HCD, the Housing and Community Development Department of California, was aware of it. So I emailed them and explicitly said that I was emailing them as a private citizen and told them what was going on. And what really led to this whole saga was that in that email, I used the words rich anti-housing white men to describe Mm -hmm. the people who put forward the referendum. And I used these words because I felt like the plans had these higher housing numbers in order to benefit people who are not rich and who are not white men for the most part, because largely rich white men are who are able to live in Los Gatos right now. And without that amount of wealth, you wouldn't be able to pay signature gatherers $10 a signature and things like that. But 
That made some people very angry and they ended up formally requesting my removal from the planning commission, which led the town to launch an investigation and they ultimately held a special meeting in which there was an hour and a half of public comment, mostly of people saying very cruel things about me and they voted to censure me. And then begins all the stuff with the ACLU, which I'm not sure if you want me to take a pause here because that was a lot. <laughs> That's a great introduction. We'll definitely get into it a bit more. And just for some of our listeners who I know, you know, might not always recognize some of the acronyms. And I know we also have like a big national audience as well. In California, HCD, you did highlight this already, stands for the Housing and Community Development uh, Department in California. Housing elements are our general eight-year plans. I like to call them like the census of housing, except they happen every eight years to determine how cities and towns and communities and counties are actually going to meet the required housing numbers. We're going to get into all of that in a sec, but I forgot something very crucial. We need to do some more introductions. <laughs> so how, Kylie, uh, you are a member of Yimby. How long have you been a Yimby for? Yes, so I have been a member of YMB for about two years. I moved down to this area two years ago and joined right around then. How, why did you become a YMB? Why is housing particularly important to you? Housing is very important to me because a lot of my background is working with people experiencing homelessness. And I firmly believe that housing is the solution to homelessness. And so that got me into all of this. And then also, just me being a young person trying to afford to live in this area, Los Gatos in particular, is very difficult to afford. I'm really lucky my partner and I live in a fourplex here in town and got a really good price on it. We have a very kind landlord who didn't raise our rent, but without that, I wouldn't be able to afford to live here. So I'm like, we need more housing. We need people who are on the streets to have a place to live. We need people who are young to be able to live here. We need people who work in town to be able to live here. So we're in a pretty bad situation. And I very strongly believe that we need more housing. Right. That really hits at the crux of why a lot of our members and subscribers actually come to us. They do the work for something that has personally affected them in the first place. And it doesn't sound that dissimilar. In fact, it's completely similar. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so this kind of led you one way or another to be a commissioner in your community. How long have you been in that position for? I've been on the planning commission for almost a year and a half now. What's your role on the commission and why did you decide to do that work? I think this kind of ties to all the questions together, really. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I'm one of seven planning commissioners and our role, we have a quasi-judicial role. So we make some decisions ourselves and we make a lot of recommendations to town council and any decision that someone disagrees with, it, they can appeal it to the town council. So some of our stuff, even when we vote on it, ends up going there. But I decided to join the planning commission because I knew that they make a lot of decisions that really impact people in town and that they have the power to do a lot of really great things or a lot of really bad things. And so I became really interested in it and I got to do some case studies for my application and I really enjoyed those. And I wasn't sure how much I would actually enjoy being on the commission, but I knew that I would care about what I was doing and that I'd be doing important things. And it's turned out that I'm a total land use nerd and I love reading our packets <laughs> and having the meetings and everything. So I really, really enjoy being on the commission actually, which is great. 
there are dozens of us. <laughs> right. Yeah, I found here. my people. Uh, I'm going to toss in one more wild card question here is yeah. why do you love your community? I love my community because something that I have found. So I have a few things I would consider to be my community. Like if we're talking Los Gatos, I love my community of Los Gatos because everybody cares so much. Like during the second meeting that the town council held to consider rescinding my censure, it went until 12.30 a.m. and the chambers were packed until then. And my ACLU lawyers who were there with me were like, where are we? This is crazy to have this many people staying this late just to give like three minutes of public comment or some of them weren't even commenting. They were just there to watch. Uh. So I love that people in our town really, really care for better or for worse, for agreement or disagreement. They are passionate about the town, which I think is really beautiful. And then I also just love, it's a beautiful place. It's evolving. We have a lot of people doing really great work. I've gotten to know a lot of them and I like to think that it's moving in the right direction, but I'm also part of the community of, you know, Yimby and housing and the nonprofits in our area. And I love the nonprofit world here because I found that they really, really do have power and are really pushing to make Silicon Valley a better and more welcoming place. That's great to hear. You know, there's many, <laughs> there's many of us who do this exact same kind of work because we care about our community, many of us in the nonprofit space and also other commissioners as well. So I'm just going to yes. give a short thank you for your service to your community and also being part of our larger community. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Getting into the tea. Mm -hmm. uh, so we just touched base a little bit on your censorship and some of the things that might have happened there. I, I want to do like a, a, a setup here. So you described a bit about like what the underlying reasons were for your censure and it really tied back to housing. Can you reiterate what the housing element process is, how you've been working on it? Uh, you described the comments and what you feel like or what you expected the process to be before this happened. Yeah, so the housing element did go to the planning commission and we voted on it before the town council did. But pretty much the way that process works is that each city and town is given a number and it's called the arena number, regional housing needs allocation. And it's pretty much the HCD going in and saying, okay, this is how much housing your community needs to build in order to do its part in solving the housing crisis. And the state came down much, much harder than they ever have before. So it was kind of a rude awakening for a lot of communities, especially ones that have traditionally been more anti-housing. But then the cities create their housing element, send it in, HCD comments, and sends it back. And that happens until they can come to agreement and the state approves the housing element and puts it into effect. And I think... It, this is all very interesting to me because they didn't do a referendum on our housing element. They did it on our land use and community design elements. And so that's led to some confusion with, okay, so once the state approves our housing element, then what happens to those other ones and stuff? But the process, it does go through the planning commission, which I think is why the town felt like they were able to censure me for saying anything when talking in relation to it, but 
yeah, in reality, nothing regarding the referendum comes to planning commission or anything like that. So yeah, right now we're in the process of still figuring out with HCD when we might get our housing element approved because we're both still working on it. I want to ask a defining question. What is a sensor exactly? Like, why was it illegal in nature here? Yeah, that is a very good question. A censure is interesting because it is the second highest form of punishment available to the town. And in the past, commissioners and council members in Los Gatos have done obviously a lot of things that the town does not approve of. And all of those have been handled privately through private counseling and things like that. But for whatever reason, mine ended up going to censure. And it's the step below me being removed from the planning commission and they what it really is it's it's kind of a formal slap on the wrist to me it felt a little bit like a public shaming like the real punishment for me was having to sit through people just saying horrible things about me for hours on end and getting a lot of people reaching out to me over my social media and email and all these different things to tell me their thoughts on why I suck. And it is not always illegal. Definitely other censures have happened that were perfectly legal. But in this case, it ended up being illegal because I had explicitly said that I was speaking as a private citizen. And as a private citizen, my First Amendment rights allow me to say what I believe. That all sounds very serious in nature, and I'm sorry this has happened. Why do you think the city council reacted in such an extreme way? I think that it was the first time that I know of that somebody had brought up whiteness in that way or really challenged power structures in place. And then housing is obviously a bit of a sore spot for the town as well. And so I do think that it had to do with the content of what I said that led it to get to this level because I've heard of some other things that commissioners and council members have said and done that they didn't get censured for. And they were very clearly doing it in their capacity as a representative. So, but they didn't get censured. And so I think that it does have to do with the actual content of my email. Of course. And just for historical purposes, if you want to help us out and define uh, why you said your comments in that particular manner. Yeah, like why I said rich anti-housing white men. Sure, let's give a, a, a brief a history snippet here. Yeah, yeah. So I, I sent that, I've had a lot of people say like, why did you actually send that email? And thinking that I knew that the state was aware of the referendum because it turned out they were. But I genuinely had been asking around saying like, hey, does the state know about this? I feel like it really matters for our housing element. And I also thought that it was probably illegal to put land use on the ballot because if it ends up that we vote on the the land use element and the voters you know do whatever and it ends up being approved later or something if we ever wanted to make any changes to our land use in our general plan it would have to go back on the ballot which is incredibly unrealistic and would cause a lot of problems in the future and so I also was seeking HCD's support in whether or not that was allowed to happen at all. But 
really that was my motive. And I keep hearing it be called a letter because it got published alongside the formal comment letters about our housing element from some very legitimate organizations, including Yimby. I think their letter was in there, but That's it was correct. really just an email that I sat down one night <laughs> and wrote and didn't think anything of it until I saw it pop up with the formal comment letters of all these organizations in our area. Who would have known? Right? <laughs> and for the record, I backtracked through some of the emails myself, and there were other comments who made similar comments to what you made, and some of which were even in greater detail about some mm. of the things about involving the housing elements and even demographics, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of it, a lot of why it happened this way for me is that it was just a casual email. It wasn't how I would formally comment. Like I wouldn't have gone up to the mic during public comment and worded things that way. But I think it being put so bluntly really struck a chord with a lot of people. And I even think maybe if I'd said rich or if I'd said wealthy Caucasian males or something, then maybe it wouldn't have happened this way. But just the way that I put it in such basic and blatant terms, I think kind of caused a lot of this. Yeah, which is also the basis of why it was stifling of your free speech. I know the ACLU definitely made a thing about your ability to participate in the public comment process. Yeah, and I think what I said is important in that people need to be allowed to say things like that because clearly there was a lot of conversation to be had and the town has a really long way to go. And I think that's all become very, very clear throughout all of this. So during this process, when it came back to council to rescind your censorship after the ACLU picked it up, who supported you and how? So I was a lot more prepared this time. Um, and I think I had, I felt a lot more strongly at this point, just having realized how important this was and everything. And so I was able to reach out to all of the people who had reached out to me to support me throughout this. A lot of people I'd never met had reached out and said, hey, I just wanted to let you know I see what you're doing and I really appreciate you and I feel represented by you, which was great because it was alongside a lot of messages of people saying very, very nasty things to me. And so I reached out to all my supporters who had contacted me since the censure meeting had happened. And I told them that they were considering rescinding it. And organizations like YIMBY, Catalyze SB, SV at Home, they all showed up for me. So it was a lot of community members, a lot of people I hadn't even met, some friends, and then some pro-housing organizations and other nonprofits were all super supportive of me, which was, I was very, very grateful for that. I was in that meeting. I remember being pretty fired up myself. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I want to get to another really core question that, with this. So if the city council had upheld the censor, what would have that meant? What, what, what would that meant for your work as a commissioner and as a housing advocate? What would this mean in like the grander scale of things? I think that it wouldn't really affect, you know, me being a planning commissioner or anything like that. I think it would have made it a little harder to stick around just because I already felt like, oh my gosh, I've been in so many meetings that went until midnight. I've read thousands of pages and this is right. what I get. I get the town censuring me as my thank you for all of this public service that I've been doing without right, payment right. and all that. But that wouldn't have been too affected. And I think as a housing advocate, 
I, I got pretty fired up by all of this. I went through a lot of phases when I first learned that they were considering censuring me. I was really sad and I was like, okay, maybe I shouldn't go to the meeting. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to go, but maybe I won't say anything. And then by the time it rolled around, I was like, I'm going and I'm giving a three minute long comment that I'm going to work really hard on and try to say exactly what I mean. But I probably would just have kept going the same way that I am, honestly. I think the censure, it's all very interesting because it didn't have too many actual consequences beyond the statement that it makes. And so I would have been able to keep doing my job and everything, but it would have been harder for sure. What do you think it would have, how would it affect, I guess, broader housing advocacy? I, I hate to say this, but this is not the first particular case that I've personally seen of a housing commissioner, other commissioners who serve in these kind of land use capacities, receiving significant public pushback in their personal lives for basically participating in the public process and trying to make their communities more affordable through participating in local government. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in any sort of advocacy work or work in the housing world, the wins are so important because it is really difficult work and it takes a really long time to see results often. And so I think that the win of having the town council say, you know what? Yeah, you're allowed to say these things was really important. And something that I had stressed throughout this whole thing was the message that it sends to other commissioners and council members and committee members, both in Los Gatos and in other cities in our area that has a major chilling effect. Like I had even found that there was a chilling effect on me after the censure happened where I was very scared to speak my mind. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to say something like that again. And what I came to realize was that no, like we need people saying things like this. And especially we need young people who are speaking their minds. And maybe we should be saying very explicitly who holds the power, even though it's hard and there'll be pushback. But to have this formal recognition that you are allowed to say those things, I think is super important. That's a very good point. And I want to just show an extra amount of appreciation for being in that position and deciding to stick with it and to essentially do what you feel was right. It's not an easy position to be in for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I want to move on to the next question of what's happening now. <laughs> so the censure has been rescinded, which is great. What do you think helped the city council make the right decision to walk it back? I'd love to hear more about what the ACLU has done, the threat of lawsuits, mm -hmm. fellow Yimbies participating in this. Tell me more. Yeah. So after the censure had happened, there were some newspaper articles and stuff, but that was kind of it. And then... I was visiting my mom and I was just sitting on the couch with her. And then I saw an email pop up and it was from the ACLU. And I was like, mom, the ACLU emailed me and we were freaking out. And it turned out that they had learned about what happened and were concerned that my first amendment rights might've been violated. And so then we met and talked about it. And I was like, yeah, I'm on board to work with you on this. Like I feel strongly about it. And I definitely felt like my First Amendment rights were violated. And so I was very happy to hear the organization as established as the ACLU felt the same way. 
And so they ended up then having a lot of discussions with the town. They sent them a letter saying, hey, there's all of this case law demonstrating that you are not allowed to censure someone for saying something in their capacity as a private citizen. And they said they made a few asks, they made a public records request, and they asked that the town rescind my censure, that they cancel the private counseling of me with the mayor that had been ordered, and that they look through their policies and try to figure out what they made some missteps in the policies that they were using. And so the ACLU asked that they also figure that out. And there were a lot of conversations between the ACLU and the town before they ended up scheduling on the agenda, the consideration of rescinding my censure. And so they had another meeting and that's when I was saying went till 1230 in the morning, but it was, um, yeah, it was a productive meeting and they rescinded it. And um, yeah, the only thing that was kind of left as a question was some discussion about there potentially being a conflict of interest because I work at West Valley Community Services doing advocacy and public policy. And so that was kind of where it was left off was the town looking into that. But other than that, the the book is pretty much closed. So that feels good. So now that this is all over, how are you feeling about everything you've gone through? Like, what do you have like a takeaway? Are you holding up okay? Yeah, I'm actually, I'm definitely holding up pretty well. I think not just because they ended up rescinding the censure, but also just because of all of the support that I've found through this process. And I've met so many people who are with me and I think it's actually made me feel a little more optimistic just because I already knew a lot of the people who were mad about all of this were out there, but I met a lot of people who really believe that Los Gatos can be more inclusive and that we do need more housing, that we should be discussing, you know, demographics when we talk about this <laughs> stuff because it is relevant and important. And so I'm feeling pretty good. I love the work that I do. I love being on the planning commission. So I was grateful that I got to stay on the planning commission because that was also a discussion. Of course, there were people asking for me to be removed, but yeah, everything turned out pretty well. Nice. So it, it definitely sounds like optimism, hope, a vision of like abundant housing and all that is really kind of guiding you through and re-energizing you to keep going essentially. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, all right. What advice would you have for new Yimbies after this entire thing? Who are uh, nervous of showing up for their first local meeting, public comment, especially especially women and people of color who often face more public pushback and sometimes really vitriolic pushback from NIMBYs. Yeah, it can be very scary. I think one of my biggest pieces of advice would be to go and to give public comment because it's a super cool thing to do. I think I would say rip the bandaid off and go give comment because <laughs> the scariest part is your first one. I remember just like truly shaking the first time that I was giving comment. And now I kind of just trot up there and say my thing because I've gotten so used to it. But that is how we as the public are able to demonstrate our power and to make sure that our elected officials are hearing us when we tell them what they what we want because we can see them up there as we're talking to them. So give public comment. I think find allies through groups like EMB and 
there's lots of amazing nonprofits that are doing advocacy work or that you can join as members and things like that. And so I think finding community members, especially going into those meetings where there can be a lot of hostility is really important because you can show up together. But I would say it is worth getting engaged. There's a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of progress happening and it can be slow, but also I think sometimes it can be kind of fast and things are moving faster because they have to like this is super super urgent there are people sleeping outside every night that we don't have enough homes for people and so it is a very worthy cause and I would love to see more people hopping on board why do you think hope and optimism you've talked a lot about this actually why do you think hope and optimism and housing activism are so important you've touched on all the major points regarding the urgency of the issue, but is there anything else left to be said on that front? Yeah, I think hope and optimism are important largely because it is such a slow moving process. Like government by nature is slow. Housing physically takes a very long time to get built without all of the bureaucracy and barriers and supply chain problems and stuff that (laughs) exists now. So I think that finding these wins and holding on to them is super important. And then also just continuing to believe that we can do better and that we can get to a place where there is enough housing and that would help the environment and it would make our community so much more beautiful. We'd be able to walk places and we could feel safer. And all of these amazing things are also deeply tied to housing. So I just think that it's really important to believe that this housing can exist and to keep fighting for it and to find other people who are doing the same because that's what got me through all of this was all of the people who were really supportive of me and kind to me and even two of my very best friends the first meeting sat on either side of me and I just felt like so protected by them and seeing my friend give public comment was so cool so I think that involvement and the hope and optimism are what will get us where we need to be, even though it takes a very, very long time. Great. Let's let's build towards that future. I really love that. Right. No pun intended, or maybe pun intended. <laughs> I'll, I'll let the listeners decide on that one. Uh, wrapping up on the last question is, how can YIMBY support you or their own pro-housing commissioners in their city or helping others to step up? Yeah, I had some other commissioners reach out to me, which was super cool and say like, hey, as a commissioner, I want to support you because I think other commissioners want to be able to say these things themselves. And so if I'm being told that I can't, then what does that mean for them? So I think just continuing to be advocates and to speak truth to power is really important. This I'd heard the phrase speak truth to power a lot before this, and I never fully understood what it meant until actually experiencing what it meant to speak truth to power, because the things that I said upset the most powerful people, and it was very scary to go up against that, and I think it taught me a lot about why speaking truth to power is hard, and then also why it's important. Even when holding a seat your own. Wow. You can't see me, but I got chills listening to that. (laughs) It is quite the example for speaking truth to power, which I feel like is a a deep root to a lot of the work we do, just kind of naturally trying to 
basically undo years of segregation, redlining, a lack of participation, and a lack of housing affordability in our community, our communities, I should say, that has really been tied up in these, essentially what you said, that these long-term power holders. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, we are going to be wrapping up. Do you have any final thoughts? I think I, I want to thank you for highlighting this issue and everything that happened, because I do think that we can learn a lot from it. And I think it led to a lot of very uncomfortable conversations, but it showed why we need to have them. And I really hope that we as a community can be in a place where I would love it if the NIMBYs and the YIMBYs could talk to each other, because I think that we have to keep having dialogue and try to get to a place of agreement. And there's been a lot of people I've talked to who have held ideas against housing in their heads that once I tell them just like even some basic facts, they kind of change their minds. And so I think we need to keep having these conversations. I hope that people who maybe didn't like what I said, listened to this episode with an open mind. And I think regardless of what people thought about my email, we now know that you are allowed to say those things as a private citizen and that we should be speaking up even though we will get pushback. That sounds great. <laughs> right, let's do it. <laughs> and, and thank you so much for not just your public service, but telling your story, participating, and truly, truly more than anything else, speaking that truth to power. I think it's very important. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. That's the real crux of why we're trying to do the work that we do to make sure everybody can have some safe, stable, and abundant housing in their own communities. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. If you haven't already become a member of Yimby Action, you can become a member on our website by going to yimbyaction.org join. That's it, y'all. Have a great rest of your day.